The pandemic has pushed many companies to quickly digitize more operations. But what's the best way to keep all those new applications secure? That's the business of Silicon Valley software company Contrast Security, whose CEO, Alan Nauman, joins us on this episode of Powered by Battery. Nauman has managed companies through crises before, but none quite like this one. He shares his thoughts here about keeping workers healthy, adapting to work from home, and selling security software when it's nearly impossible to meet customers in person. Have a listen. Well, Alan Nauman, welcome to Powered by Battery. Hey, thank you, Becky. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk to your, your audience. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're, we're really glad to have you here as our guests for um, a bunch of reasons, but one of them is that you know, the issue of cybersecurity has really been front and center for so many companies recently during the pandemic, you know, with people working at home on multiple devices, using so many different applications. There's just, you know, a lot more cyber risk, I think, than there was in the in the pre-COVID world. Um, so maybe we can start by talking about this current environment for security and how your company, Contrast Security, fits in. Yeah, so I think, look, the COVID pandemic has really accelerated one thing, uh, I think, across the world and every business, which is digital transformation. Obviously, the only way to reach customers and prospects and partners has been digitally in this new kind of shelter-in-place world. That means uh, every business is, as Mark Andreessen said a long time ago, becoming a software business and trying to digitally transform. But the bad guys know that. And so cyber risk goes up. Uh, with the distributed workforce and with distributed applica- applications. So I think, you know, this phenomenon of, uh, of COVID and changing the world and changing the way that people interact with other businesses means cyber risk is heightened. And because of that, uh, businesses need protection. Okay. Okay. Well, I know cybersecurity companies um, come in lots of different flavors. I think you guys focus on um, application security. Maybe you can just walk us through that and, and maybe provide a, a concrete example or, or a scenario about how a customer would use your technology to try to become more secure. Yeah, I think you know there are a couple of major uh, categories. And one of the tenets of cybersecurity is uh, defense in depth. And so obviously with distributed workforces, you must protect the endpoint. You have to protect the network, uh, protect cloud access. What Contrast does is we're trying to protect the actual software that companies are developing or so-called applications. And it's probably surprising, but every business has a number of applications. In fact, large Fortune 500 companies have thousands, if not tens of thousands of internally written applications. And the problem in securing those is developers are not security experts. So they don't wake up or even or graduate from it with our comp sci degree knowing how to write secure code. And so what Contrast does is try to help developers who are doing things in a very high-speed way, agile and DevOps way of developing software and using open source and deploying rapidly daily or weekly to the cloud, making sure they can write secure software that's secure from cyber attack and data breaches and do that in a high-speed way that supports high-speed application development. So that's what we do is really protect the software that is powering businesses around the world. And, and you mentioned the term DevOps and then security. So I, I hate to say it, but are you guys a DevSecOps company to use <laughs> one of my favorite words of battery lingo? Yes, I know. We, we mess around with it in our marketing. Uh, you know, we put the SEC in DevSecOps, but it, it just doesn't have a good <laughs> ring to it. So uh, no, but it is right. And that's one, you know, the, one of the movements of the last, uh, you know, seven, eight years has been DevOps. And 
And truly what was forgotten in that first generation of DevOps is how do you move quickly, deploy software and use cloud computing securely? And that's where the whole phrase DevSecOps came. So yeah, we, we oftentimes refer to ourselves that way. A lot of the industry does as well, but it's a good way to say you can't go fast uh, if you aren't going to go there securely. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I think I saw maybe in the last few weeks, you guys launched a new platform that was actually promising, you know, significant cost savings on DevSecOps for some companies. And, and it sounded like big quantifiable savings, in fact. Yeah, we announced our new observability platform. And, um, and I think that uh, one of the trends is coincident with the change in uh, of distributed workforces and the change from kind of in-house data centers to cloud computing means everything is distributed. And so one of the big IT trends is observability. And there's a few companies that are now public that have terrific market caps really making IT resources uh, observable. What Contrast introduced was security observability. So how do we let people, and these are enterprises and their security teams and their development teams know the security posture uh, of all the applications that they have either under development in tester staging or deployed. We think it's just as important to observe the security uh, of that infrastructure as it is other IT resources. Who, who are the big companies, just for our listeners' edification, who are doing the broader observability work? Yeah, so one, one example is uh, probably most famous is Datadog, um, and they pioneered this. But there's other people in the applications monitoring space and others. But I'd say Datadog is, a, is really went public built, you know, I don't know, most recent 25 or $30 billion market cap around making uh, the IT infrastructure observable in distributed compute and distributed uh, servers. And so we're trying to do the same exact thing as Datadog, bring that observability to the security and to the software. Okay. And, and bringing it back to the pandemic, like you said, companies, you know, are developing an untold number of apps internally. And now that they've got to deal with a distributed workforce, maybe they've got a offer more digital services to customers because of the pandemic, it, it sounds like you, you see more opportunity there for your technology. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was fascinating. Um, in a Fortune uh, CEO survey, they, you know, they kind of asked people, well, in COVID, are you gonna, um, what are you going to spend more on or less on? And uh, most of the Fortune 500 CEOs said, we are going to increase our investment in digital transformation. And another recent survey kind of said, that's, this was of IT leadership across uh, the Fortune 2000. 64% of IT leaders said we're going to accelerate spending in, in digital transformation and DevOps as a result of COVID. Wow. So was this trend that was happening anyway, and I think got accelerated by two or three years by necessity out of COVID. Yeah, it's in, it kind of buttresses this whole idea of the haves and the have-nots in technology, right? That even though you know the economy is not doing well overall and many people are hurting, some companies that are solving these problems for businesses are, are doing well. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's just been striking the, uh, um, you know, the investments being made in software and why are people developing applications themselves off the shelf applications have been to solve things like supply chain management or, or, or other things, but most businesses are finding they have very unique needs and products. Uh, and it could be, an insurance company for allowing for online enrollment or claims. It can be even for fulfilling prescriptions online, uh, the government with unemployment benefits that have to be processed quickly. You can't walk into an unemployment office. Um, automobile manufacturers with connected cars. 
just every industry has to has a unique tech stack and has to reach its customers digitally. And that's driving this acceleration uh, or digital transformation. Oh, okay. Those are great examples. Well, let, let's bring bring the discussion back to sort of how you guys are adapting. Um, you know, this is, I think, your third CEO job, right? This is the third time you've been a CEO. <laughs> Fourth, but who's counting? Fourth. Uh, so, <laughs> I didn't yes. read far enough on your LinkedIn, Alan. No, no, it's, uh, it, it's carbon. It may carbon date me, but yes, it is, uh, <laughs> is my fourth. Um, I, I, we were talking about this earlier, kind of in our pre-call, but um, I'm guessing you've never seen anything like this environment before. No, look, this is, look, for anyone who's a new CEO or new exec staff member, um, I, I know it goes without saying, but this is unprecedented, except it's not exactly. Um, you know, I, I was reflecting back that, um, you know, it, it seems, I, I don't know, uh, but uh, approximately every 10 years, at least recently, the universe has thrown uh, the venture community and management teams a big curveball. And uh, one that happened was the dot-com bubble crash in kind of circa 2000, 2001, and roughly eight or nine years later, the financial crisis uh, and the Lehman shocks, as they, as they call it in some parts of the world, in you know, 2008 and nine. And here we are in 2020 with a global pandemic, with the COVID-19 uh, virus. So the one thing I would say is that this is unprecedented. Um, certainly with those other crises, People were not forced to work from home. The hospital infrastructure was not stressed. Employees were not as worried about their personal health safety. Uh, businesses did not have to send workers home and go distributed. Um, so this is unique. Um, but it's. Uh, uh, but I would say um, uh, management teams, uh, including the, the ones I've been fortunate to work with, um, you have to deal with these curveballs and. Uh, and try and make your company stronger in this face of a crisis. It's not easy. It's not easy for contrast. It's not easy for anyone. But how do you take advantage of this uh, to strengthen your company uh, as the world recovers from a health crisis? Well, what, that's interesting. Maybe we can unpack that a little bit. So what, what are some maybe examples of some things you're doing along those lines? I mean, one of, one of the questions I had for you is where the biggest challenges lie or how do you bucket those challenges? Like clearly there are people challenges with a remote Workforce, but I don't know if the pandemic also means uh, product challenge or market challenges. Maybe you can dig into that a little bit and what you guys are doing. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, if you only limit me to three challenges, I'll do that. But <laughs> there are, no, there are a bunch, and, and I, I know uh, everyone listening has gone through some degree of these level of challenges. I mean, first and foremost, we worry about our team and our customers, and relative to the team. Uh, we had, a, you know, contrast is based in the Silicon Valley in Los Altos, uh, where we have roughly a third of our team. Our development and engineering team was based in Baltimore on the U.S. East Coast. And then we had a third of the team distributed around the world. So we had to go from these two huge offices and immediately distribute uh, our teams and let them enable them to work from home. So and we care about not only can we enable them, but we want to make sure they're safe. The second one was around customers. How do we support our customers, whether they're the brand new customer, you know, or they're a customer that's been with us a long time, that's used to having our team on site and helping them or working on that next technical challenge or helping uh, unpack a, a cyber attack that they may be seeing? How do we do that all remotely when we can't go into conference rooms and go in, uh, um, you know, and support our customers directly? And the third one is our go-to-market. Uh, contrast was a... And, uh, 
We have a direct sales model uh, that's distributed geographically. Most of the marketing events in cybersecurity are physical events. It's shows like RSA or CISO summits or Gartner events where they're in-person events gathering uh, some of the top cyber uh, teams or top development or DevOps teams together in a single place. Uh, Microsoft has a big conference and Amazon has a big physical conference and Salesforce. And so all those physical conferences and marketing events uh, went away. So how do we change our go-to-market? So I'd say I'd kind of bucket the challenges into those three areas. And we've been kind of trying to tackle each one uniquely uh, to overcome some of the challenges of, of COVID um, uh, in those three areas. The, the latter issue you mentioned is interesting and strikes close to home for me, you know, because I run the marketing team at Battery. You know, obviously we've had to replace, you know, our, our team isn't going to in-person events anymore. The events that we used to do, we've now shifted to online. Is there any, you know, when I think about your marketing department and your sales function, is there any online substitute for these in-person events or do you just have to get really creative and do something completely different in order, I mean, just take to the phones to sell instead of going to trade shows? Yeah. And I think we've done a comedy. I mean, look, there's, there's not the easy button. Um, a lot of the physical events that were planned, you know, they slow, they kind of drug their feet and said, well, we think we'll still have the event. And then soon it was, we won't have the event. And then we'll replace it with a digital event. And some of the events have done a good job themselves of bringing in and drawing in a digital audience and some really failed at it. So we may have paid to go to a specific trade show or event. Uh, we then uh, transferred those funds to the digital version and the digital version was poorly attended. So I would say um, it's, it's on a case by case basis, how well the, the events and their audience uh, adapted to uh, being virtual. But the second thing is then we've had to get out the creativity box and, and how do we, reach our, uh, our customers? How do we reach our prospects? And one of the things we did very early on is we said, hey, um, we, do, we secure software. We're helping your digital transformation journey, which is important. But just to make life easier for you, um, um, just if you're interested in contrast, send us a, a note and we'll send you a work from home kit. And we did this really early on. It was just a terrific response. It was a way for us to support all of our customers and prospects that were suddenly working from home but also draw attention to something unique that Contrast does. What was in there? What was in this kit? Well, it was, uh, you can imagine, uh, like, <laughs> for example, high like I'm talking to you on high quality uh, uh, um, earbuds and, uh, you know, and so a way to just communicate um, a mouse pad because we're all going to get probably uh, carpal tunnel syndrome from working at right. our poorly equipped desk at home. So just little things uh, that were not kind of, high cost, but a way to make people more productive and comfortable working from home. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. You know, my next question was digging more into the people issues and how you're keeping your team motivated. And of course that can affect the product, right? You know, if the team isn't happy or is burned out, um, it can be difficult to stay motivated to build great products. Have you, have you, I mean, I'm sure you're talking to um, colleagues and, and trying to glean best practices, anything else you guys are doing to kind of help with the work-life balance or Childcare or other other working from home issues for the team. Before we, you could have a in person offsite and management discussion um, or quarterly business review. Well, all of that value of team building and whiteboarding and uh, going out and grabbing dinner, having bagels in the morning uh, uh, for a quote unquote offsite. Like, well, you couldn't do any of that. So, how do you stay in close touch with our management, the management team? about changes and challenges, et cetera. So we now do every other week on a Friday, 
uh, managers, a people managers call. And it's a chance for our exec staff and yours truly and our people team to interact with the management team. What challenges are they seeing? Uh, what questions do they have? Um, how is the team doing? And it's a way to, you know, in anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, quickly get in sync with our management team globally. And uh, so that's something that we hadn't done, you know, pre-COVID. Uh, we also know that, like, I used to travel and uh, a lot, and uh, it was a it is a highlight. One of the highlights of, of one of the special things that I'm a, a privileged to be a CEO to be able to go out and meet with our team. And so now I can't do that. And so, how do I stay in touch with the team that could be in Belfast or in Baltimore or in Tokyo or in Los Altos? Can't can't go out to dinner with them. Can't see them in the conference room. Mm-hmm. Can't see them in the office. And so we do now. On a monthly basis, it's called AMA. Uh, uh, it's not American Medical Association. It is the Ask Me Anything. And uh, so I host a call because I can't see people face-to-face. Like, hey, what's on your mind? What are you worried about? What you, and it could be anything from employee benefits to when are we going back to the office or, uh, or like strategy. I don't, you know, if people are unclear about priorities, et cetera. So we use that as a chance to, so I'd say the meta answer is, how do we increase the frequency of communication with the team, knowing that all the informal methods are out the window? And I think that's something we've really tried to do. One final thing is just um, we did early on. We said, you know what? We have so many company holidays. We're taking a mental health day. Everybody, unless you have an urgent customer issue, please cancel your meetings. Take the day off for mental health, whether it's walking your dog or walking your cat, which is more difficult, or spending time with your kids or reading a book or anything, but take a break from the, the drag that constant meetings put on you and that video conferencing, which is, uh, is stre- stress inducing. So we've done that a number of times. We've taken mental health days and I think that matters to the team. I got so many appreciative emails. The first one that we did, because it was a sign that contrast recognizes this is hard for everyone. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's a great idea. Well, Maybe, maybe indulge me and fast forward maybe 12 or 18 months, you know, maybe this is too optimistic, but let's assume that in 12 to 18 months, you know, most people have gotten a vaccine, Um, you know, people are able to travel again, you're able to go back to your office, our kids are largely back in school. Are, are there things that you guys have done as sort of stopgap measures now that you think will continue on? I mean, how, is contrast going to look the same in 18 months that it looked pre-pandemic or do, or do you think it's going to look quite different? No, I think it's going to look different. Look, I'm also very optimistic. I, um, I have really high confidence in the global um, medical and health community. And, you know, obviously just in the last uh, week, literally the last several days, We've had two vaccine uh, research firms and manufacturers come out with very promising uh, uh, mid-stage results on a, on a vaccine. So um, I'm optimistic, and and I and I think we have the the world working on this problem together, and therefore I think we'll have something with high safety and efficacy on the vaccine front. And a lot of people are predicting that's going to happen, kind of Q1 of 2021. But what it means to contrast and what it means to our customers, what it means to other startups is that we are going to be able to go back in the office. Uh, a lot of predictions are kind of mid-year um, that uh, uh, people will be able to get back. There'll be sufficient uh, vaccination rates uh, and uh, and therapeutics to treat people that do, uh, do uh, get uh, COVID-19 um, to really minimize the health risk. And so 
Um, I think we'll be back in offices. Now, look, it could be another setback. It may be later in the year, but look, I think that we will be back in calendar 2021 in offices. But I do think there's a couple of changes. Um, I think most businesses are going to have to make it work for people that really uh, either for health reasons or kind of uh, for lifestyle reasons want to work in a distributed way. And uh, I don't think contrast will go to fully distributed. I know there's a, there's some great um, dialogues about uh, can you go to fully distributed? Should you do a hybrid model? But most of the large companies are saying, I love that um, Reed Hastings from Netflix said, hey, some of my other tech friends say we're distributed. Nobody wants to go into work. He just disagreed. He said, there is real value. Human beings value social interaction. You can collaborate. You can get joy out of being together. He goes, we are going to get our team back in the office. And some other large tech companies uh, have said, no, no, we'll just be distributed forever. And so I'm more of the Reed Hastings point of view that there's real value and uh, in that personal connection. And so I think Contrast will, when we're back, when health uh, um, and safety precautions allow, we'll be back in a form of in the office, but it will be with you know, extra safety precautions and it won't be for everyone. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that. I think our team is, and I constantly get asked the question, can I travel? Can I get together for a coffee <laughs> or beer with somebody that I'm working in Chicago with? Or, uh, you know, and so we're advising people not to do that. Um, but that shows there's a real strong to get, desire to get together. Yeah, I agree. We've had yeah, similar, similar situations. Well, just more broadly, any other lessons learned over the last several months that, that you would want to share that you think other leaders could benefit from? Sure. Well, a couple, a couple things I would, would comment on. I mean, one is maybe just uh, a word about the company. I know there's many uh, founders and execs and others listening to this. Um, I think hopefully like most people, I'm, I really think that, um, you know, it's, it's an old adage, but like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that's not in reference to COVID-19. It's when businesses are hit with challenges. Um, you have, you know, it's a, it's a crossroads. You, um, do you recover and adapt and become stronger or does it really set you back on some permanently slower path? And, uh, no, I, I think for contrast, I'm, I think this has been a year where it hasn't been everything that we set out to accomplish. You know, we set our, our fiscal plan at, at the end of uh, calendar 19 and uh, we're excited and enthusiastic about uh, what 2020 would bring and, and the world changed in, in early March. Uh, so, but I am also very uh, optimistic. Uh, the, the one thing that's a fundamental is digital transformation and the writing of software to reach customers and to transform businesses and make them more productive is way more important than it was just a year ago. And I think the world economy will recover and it'll take a while. Um, but I think we have a resilient global economy and, uh, and that software and computing will be at the center of that. So I'm very optimistic about, uh, you know, the midterm. And you know, I think the you know, next six months uh, will be sporadic uh, uh, until the vaccine's really under control and the economies are starting to improve. But uh, the midterm past that, you know, the middle and later parts of next year and then beyond that's going to be really positive, I think, for technology and specifically for companies that are writing software and for cybersecurity companies uh, like Contrast. Well, um, it's true, you know, being a CEO is often spoken of as kind of a lonely job and, and it certainly is even more so now. So, so who are you turning to for advice? You know, what are you reading? Who are you talking to? 
Yeah, I've been really lucky. Uh, the contrast in, uh, contrast investors, uh, we have some really terrific investors. This is not an infomercial for battery, but as since I'm on the podcast, you know, battery's an investor, uh, along with Warburg Pincus and Acero and General Catalyst and Microsoft Ventures M12. But so we have terrific investors. Um, but uh, so I lean on um, our investors and they have, you know, most of the venture firms have teams that help on specific operational challenges, whether it's marketing or customer success or, or sales, uh, engineering, et cetera. So I'm leaning on our board and investors more than usual because it's a unique time. I'm also talking to more CEOs. Uh, you know, how are they doing? What are they doing, et cetera? And our exec staff is then leaning on their peers in the industry. And I think that's been really valuable. And I think I've been reading more than ever, uh, you know, uh, to really detect kind of where things are going and, and get ahead of them, whether it's best practices, like we said, on, on, uh, on taking a mental health day, or how do you safely go back to the office? And I think our team is, is really leaning on kind of this broader tech industry for the best ideas. And so in general, um, and hopefully, uh, um, you know, again, podcasts will be really popular, including this one. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. All right. Well, Alan, some great advice uh, to other leaders. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. No, thanks. Thanks for everybody for listening. And look, hang in there. And again, I would also say anyone that wants to reach out, I'm easy, Alan at ContrastSecurity.com. So if you're listening to this and have questions, we'd love to connect uh, on LinkedIn or directly and help in any way I can. All right. Great. All right. Well, thank you. Great. Thank you.